Before I get started, I just want to, I would just kind of want to take off on that and say thank you. Over the last nine years, we've been the youth pastors. Um, you guys have just been an incredibly supportive and generous church, helping us send students to camp, helping us help, you know, students come to camp who couldn't otherwise come. And we're really, really grateful for you guys. So from the bottom of our hearts, we just really want to say thank you. <sighs> All right, well, let's just pray quick before we dive into the word here. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we just thank you for this morning. God, we just thank you for your presence, that it's not an accident we're here in this room this morning. God, that you are passionate about us today, that you're full of love. When you look at us, you have eyes that are filled with love. You have a heart that wells up with love inside of it when you think about us, when you look at us. There's nothing we could do to run away from you, that you're just too good, that you made a way where there was no way. And Father, this morning, we just take a moment and we set our gaze on you and we say, we're so grateful. We're so thankful, Lord, for you. Come on, just tell him that. God, I'm so grateful for you. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Tell him that. Good morning, Holy Spirit. I love you. God, I ask this morning that you would open our ears, you'd open our hearts, you'd open our minds to what you want to say. God, that this wouldn't be, let this never be a passive church <laughs> where we just sit, but let us receive, let us feed, let us feast on your word, let us feast on your words. In the name of Jesus, we love you. Come on, one last time, I love you, Jesus. Just tell him, I love you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Awesome. Well, this morning, the title of my sermon is, is what's on your mind? What's on your mind? What's in your heart? How are we doing? Yeah, we're good. You're good. That's awesome, Angel. What's, what's on your heart? What's the condition of your heart? How are we feeling about the people around us? How are we feeling about ourselves? What's on your mind? I've, uh, over the years, let a, read a lot of different studies on how many thoughts we have per day. Has anyone ever dug into that? It's pretty cool. It's pretty fascinating. There was some research back in the day that suggested we had something like 60, 70,000 thoughts per day. I saw an article really recently out of Queen's University that suggested something more like 6,000 thoughts a day. 6,000. 6,000 thoughts per day. And we know in the word it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so I want to ask you again, what's on your mind? Are we allowing the negative thoughts, the lies of the enemy to creep into our hearts? Are we listening to the voice of our father, to the voice of confidence, the voice of God? I don't know about you, but I hear that verse as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And I'm like, wait a second, the stakes are really high. Like this is really important. What I'm, what I'm thinking about, how I'm feeling about myself, like this is super important. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Numbers 13. We're going to dive into a portion of scripture and see kind of this cause and effect and the power of the mind. And at this point in scripture, 
we have the Israelites and they've been traveling through the prom, they've been traveling, sorry, through the desert. They've been traveling to the promised land and they're getting close. They're like right there. And the Lord comes to Moses and he says, Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to choose one man from each, one leader from each of the tribes of Israel and send them out to spy on the land. Send them out to take some of the land, to cut off some of its fruit, to bring it back, right? Taste and see that the Lord is good. See and taste the promises that God has for you. And so we're going to pick up right after these 12 men are chosen in verse 17, Numbers 13. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, said to the men, the spies, go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in it in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not. Be of good courage. And you know what? Bring back some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. Come on, bring back some juicy grapes. All right. Verse 21. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rahab near the entrance of Hamath. And they went up through the south and came to Hebron. Ahimon, Sheshai, Talmai, the descendants of Anak were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before zone in Egypt. Verse 23. Then they came to the valley of Eshkol and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. Must have been some big grapes required two guys. Um, (laughs) They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them, to all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It's truly, it truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amicalites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome this. I love that. I love Caleb. He sees like, they're basically like, listen, the cities are huge. The people are huge. And Caleb's like, we can do this. Let's go right now. Verse 31. But then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out as spies As spies, (laughs) it's a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Then we saw giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in ours, in theirs. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Do you guys catch that? 
As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We see the men entering the land and we see kind of like this cause and effect, don't we? They perceive themselves small and therefore they were small. They perceived themselves weak and therefore they were weak. And they were like, we can't do it. Like, we're, like, we're just small. We're just small men. And it says here, well, guess what? That's how they see you now. The battle for our mind, the battle for what we think is so, so important because I know I've said it so much, but I want to drive this home. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It's so important. Of those 6,000 thoughts, what are we consuming? What are we thinking about? How are we feeling about ourselves? You see, Caleb and Joshua were ready to go. They were like, the Lord can do this. I saw what God did when he brought us out of Egypt, when he parted the Red Sea, when it crashed down on our enemies, when God gave us manna every day to eat, when, when water gushed forth from a rock for us to drink. Like, God can do this. He remembered. He was, he was, he was ready, right? But these men, they saw themselves small. They perceived themselves small. And so they were in their enemies' eyes. And if you read on, we see that that generation, because of that lack of faith, they, they, weren't, they weren't able to enter the land. Joshua and Caleb, in their faith, they were later. But that generation wasn't able to enter the land. And it's so important what we're thinking. <laughs> I mean, just parallel this for a moment with me to the story of David. Fast forward a bit in history. David's just a young man. He's coming up against a literal giant, right? He's going to see, bring food to his brothers and he's coming to the front lines and the whole army of Israel is like terrified. They don't want to face this giant who's coming out and he's cursing their God, the God of Israel. And he's saying, come and fight me. And nobody wants to do it. But what's David's response, right? He's like, listen, we got this. And I'm like, this could be in a movie. I'm sure there's plenty of movies made on David already. But I love what, what David says here in 1 Samuel 17, 45. I want to read it for a minute just to contrast this, okay? He says this. David said to the Philistine, to Goliath, the giant, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel who you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. It's not PG right now. <laughs> In fact, this very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. Okay. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear <laughs> that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give it all of you into our hands. And he will give all of you into our hands. What do you think was on David's mind? Victory. His champion savior. I like to think in this moment that David was actually reflecting on the past. In fact, it talks about it when he's talking to King Saul, when he's talking about facing the giant and everyone's like, you're ridiculous, David. Don't be an idiot. And he's like, this will be no different than when I was in my father's fields tending the flock as a shepherd boy, and the bear came. And what did he do? He fought the bear with his bare hands and he, and he struck it down and he won. 
And he's like, this will be no different when the lion also came and I struck the lion down. What was on his mind? He was remembering what God had done. He was remembering the faithfulness of God. He was remembering the way that his champion savior, he was remembering the way that the God of Israel had come through for him. And it's the same thing with Caleb. It's the same thing with Joshua. And they're like, the cities are big. The people are big, but let's take it. Let's take the land. This is the promise of God for my life. What is on your mind? We're commanded in the scriptures to remember, forget not all his benefits. Remember all he's done. Bring to mind all he's done. To not be like the Israelites, to not be so quick to forget all he did bringing us through our wildernesses, but to remember the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God. Colossians 2 verse 6 and 7 say this. It says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, our Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. (laughs) I love that, that we would be rooted, rooted in Christ, rooted in the mind of Christ, that our thoughts, that our minds, that our hearts would be rooted in Christ. And then it says this, and I want to propose two things this morning here. I want to propose firstly to us, church family, that we need to more closely consider our thought life. I want to propose that we need to carefully consider more closely those 6,000 thoughts. What's on your mind? What's in your heart? And I want to propose out of this verse, as we root ourselves in Christ In Colossians 2, as we root ourselves in him who is our strength and him who is our thanksgiving and him who is the promise fulfiller, that the command is to abound in thanksgiving. That the command is to remember all that God has done. I want to propose, secondly, that one of the critical defining things about the Christian life, about us as believers, is gratitude. Is thankfulness that we're commanded like David to, to in those moments of weakness be like, God, I know you've done it before, you can do it again. You've done it before, you can do it again. And what's on my heart right now in this moment, God, as I face this giant, as I face this Goliath, as I reject the armor of Saul, as I take just a sling and some stones, I know that behind me is the greatest army general in history is the one who created the heavens and the earth, is the maker of all things, is the one who will take this little stone and he will slay the giant through me. And I remember what you did with the bear and I remember what you did with the lion and I thank you for that and you're going to do it again. Let us not forget him, our creator, our Jesus and all that he's done. We are to be a grateful people. Well, first Thessalonians five sixteen. rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. Hebrews 13, 15. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. It's a sacrifice sometimes, right? to praise, to thank, to be grateful. 
I said in the first service and I kind of liked it, but it's like when somebody says, you know, I'm really proud. I'm, I'm just a deep thinker. I'm going to just say to them, I'm a deep thinker. Like I just thank God a lot and I thank God deeply. We're commanded. I think thankfulness feeds faith when we remember all that God's done. But being thankful, it's, it's an active thing, right? It's not passive. It's not waiting to feel good and okay, now I'll thank you because everything's lining up in my life and I feel really good. So thanks, Jesus. Thanks everything's going so well. No, being, being thankful sometimes requires effort. It requires hard work. It requires setting our minds on things above, right? As the Bible says, set our minds on things above. And... In our family, we like to go around the dinner table and say what we're thankful for. We got some of these ideas from Brené Brown's little parenting podcast, and it was awesome. It was pretty, pretty life-changing for us. Let's take a moment as a family and think about what we have to be thankful for today. And so every night around the dinner table, we go around the table and we say, what are you thankful for? And our kids now, they won't let us forget it. So if we forget it, they'll be like, I remember Zoe when she was really little, so cute. She'd be like, we forgot to say what we're thankful for. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, we did, Zoe, okay. And then they'll go around and they'll be like, what are you thankful for? And I mean, our kids have this ingrained to them to the point of when we've had conferences and we've been eating meals at a table with all these guests and pastors and leaders from around the world. Our kids have been at a table and said, what are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? They've started drilling our our, our pastors, which is great. And so we go around the table and Jude's been like really proud of himself right lately because he's, he's got it all figured out. When we ask him what he's thankful for, he's like, everything. I'm thankful for everything. <laughs> Not in a way to like get past it. He just thinks it's like genius because he's thankful for everything, which I respect that. And Zoe, our little Zoe girl here, sitting watching an iPad on the first row because Daddy's preaching. She, um, you ask her what she's thankful for and it's the cutest thing. She's like, I'm thankful for, and it's always, at least for a few months there, it always start with, I'm thankful for myself. And I was like, you go girl. And I'm thankful for, and then she has to list just like every person in the family in existence and anyone she's seen recently as well. So it's like, I'm thankful for Mimi. I'm thankful for Papa. I'm thankful for Daddy. I'm thankful for Jude. And it just goes on and on. If we saw Solly recently, our little nephew, hi, Solly. I'm thankful for Solly and Jasper. And then they turn it on us and they say, what are you thankful for, Daddy? And I'm like... You know, you're sitting there, it's been a long day. You're like, okay, yeah, that's right. What am I thankful for? And sometimes it's like, I have to actively participate. It's not always easy. It's not always like, oh, I'm just, yeah, I'm so thankful for this. That was the easiest question in the world. Because I want to answer it truthfully with my heart. And so I have to take a second and I'm like, man, I'm thankful for, I know at the very least I can always tell them, because this is true, I'm thankful for you guys. I'm thankful that, for, that I come home from a long day and you guys run up and you're like, Daddy! And I get to see you guys and it's, it's so good. But being, being a grateful people, having gratefulness on our minds, on our hearts, it requires us participating. And I want to challenge us to be a people of thanksgiving. I want to challenge us to be a people of gratitude. That it's one of the things that defines you. Let's not be grumpy Christians. 
we've met far too many grumpy Christians. Not this church. I'm sure there's not a single one in here. But we, sometimes we're guilty of it ourselves, right? We're just being grumpy. <laughs> the Lord has recently been challenging me just to be thankful. You know, in Luke 17, Jesus heals 10 lepers. He sends them to the priests. He says, go show yourselves to the priests. And on the way, they're healed. But only one comes back to thank him. Let us be the one. And Jesus acknowledges him and says, listen, weren't there 10 of you? And only one of you came to thank? Your faith has made you well. I love that. It's, it's active. And recently in these moments when I'm feeling down or I'm feeling grumpy, the Lord's just been like challenging me to change my perspective. To change the set of lenses that I'm looking at my life through. Because we're so blessed. Come on, you live in North Kakalaki. Like the sun is shining. There's trees everywhere. You live in the middle of a forest. Like there is so much to be grateful for. <laughs> and so the Lord's been like, change the way you measure your life. Change the set of lenses that you're wearing. Like wake up and smell the roses. The pine trees, <laughs> wake up and smell the pine trees. And sometimes we just have to kind of get out of our box. Stop looking at what we don't have and start looking at what we do have. Stop looking at what we wish had happened at work or what we wish had happened in our family and start looking at what God has done. Start looking to God. Some things aren't going my way. Some things feel really hard right now. I'm in this storm, but God, you've done this and I'm grateful. I'm thankful. I will choose to be an obnoxious thanker for all of my days, Jesus, for you. And if you need help, if you need help just flipping that script, go and serve somebody who has less than you. Go on love, go and love on somebody, not as an act of comparison, but in, as an act of getting out of yourself, as looking just at your own circumstances, just looking at what you don't have and just realizing, wait a second, God's really blessed me and I'm meant to be a blessing. God, would you help me pour my life out for others, not just for myself? What's on your mind? There was this... Um, this letter this little boy wrote in the Oklahoma, Oklahoma foster care system. I don't know if any of you saw this. It went viral. And um, it was his wish list in a family. And whew, it just gets me every time. I want to read it this morning. He says this. Things I want in my family. I want food and water. Don't hit on me. A house with running water and lights. I want love. Mom and dad that don't fight. I want no drugs. Don't kill my pets. Help with school. Nice clean clothes. No lice. No bug in the house. Clean house. Clean bed with covers. Don't sell my toys. Treated fair. Don't get drunk, TV and house, let me keep my games, school stuff, nice shoes, my own comb, soap, nice house and safe, AC and heater, coat and toothbrush. 
I read this story and I don't know, I just am like, God, I'm so sorry for any way that I've been perceiving my life and being ungrateful. For any way I haven't been appreciating all you've done for me. God, would you help me to stop thinking so much about myself and start focusing on children like this in need? Would you help us to be a people that pour our lives out for others? Would you help us to be a people that are focused on you? Like when's the last time we thanked God for the sunrise or the sunset? When's the last time we said, God, I'm so thankful for the breath in my lungs? It's not comparison. It's just recognizing all that God has done for you. And we're talking like, I believe what God has placed inside of us, what we have access to is a God-given heart of thankfulness. That's not contrived, that's not made up, that's not fake, that's not denying some of the circumstances of our lives, but radical thankfulness. That even the blind man wakes up and he says, thank you for that I can feel today. That even the deaf man wakes up and be like, God, thank you for your presence today. This kind of radical thankfulness that no matter what we're going through, it's like, God, I believe you and I trust you and I love you and I know you're for me. How are we measuring? How are we measuring our blessing? What's on your mind? We did this little sermon illustration with our youth. We were preaching on gratefulness and I blindfolded one of our youth leaders and I said, let's play some volleyball. Let's play some soccer. And so we played some volleyball. We played some soccer. And of course, I don't know why, but he was abysmal at it. And um, trying to play the sport with him. And I said, Will, take, take your blindfold off. I said, Will, how grateful are you for sight? I said, when's the last time you thought about that? When's the last time you thanked God for as simple as, God, I can see, I can breathe. God, I'm alive today. God, your presence is with me today and I'm thankful. Jesus, help us be a people of thanksgiving. Hmm. I don't know if this happens to any of you, but so often we can look up at people who have more than us. And we play this little comparison game, right? And on whatever you, whatever, whoever defines the so-called ladder of success, right? You look up and for, for us, there was a season we were really into Studio McGee, like dream home makeover, this home show. Does anyone else watch home shows? Just us maybe. I know Jordan at least does, okay? My sister-in-law, yeah. <laughs> and you were watching the show of all these houses getting transformed. And I don't know about anyone else that watches these shows, but after it, you go through your house and you're like, everything sucks. <laughs> My whole house is trash. Burn it down. Start over. Like, like there's too many smudges on the walls for my children. The paint's wrong. I need a backsplash apparently. And this fad's now out. And it's like everything. You're just like, my house sucks. It's the worst. And... I was kind of stuck, stuck in this loop from the show and I was actually finding my heart getting cut up on, I want to change this and I want to change this and what if we did this to this and um, going around the house and, and all of a sudden the Lord like flipped the script on me. He changed my set of lenses and I wasn't expecting it. I didn't even necessarily realize I was falling into that sin of comparison, but I'm going upstairs 
I'm, I'm coming up the stairs and I'm turning and I'm looking down the hallway and our kids' bedrooms are on the right and ours is on the left. And as I'm, I'm walking up the stairs and I look down our hallway, all of a sudden, this thought enters my, enters my heart, enters my mind. And it was, this house fits my family. And all of a sudden, like gratefulness and, th- and thankfulness just like entered me. And I'm like, wow, this house fits my family. Like there's Selah's room, there's Zoe's room, there's Jude's room, and there's our room. God, I'm so grateful for this house. God, I'm so thankful for this house. God, I'm so sorry that I've been wearing this set of lenses and I want to change everything and nothing's right when actually you have blessed me beyond compare and I have so much to be thankful for. Guys, you have so much to be thankful for. (laughs) It's like radical. I'm believing for transformation of radical thankfulness today that no matter your circumstances, you'll thank him. Even if it's like, God, I'll thank you that, I mean, I've said this, but I'll thank you that I have breath in my lungs. Or I'll thank you that no matter what, you've given me salvation. And one day I'll get to spend eternity with you and all will be made right. But I choose to thank you. After the first service, I chatted with one of our, one of our members, Cal. He's been a part of this church for many years, pretty much since the beginning, right? 13 years. And he was coming up to me and he said to me, he said, Aaron, I, I was in this, this, this season of my life where just finances were really hard. And it was so hard that it was waking me up in the middle of the night like a punch to the gut. He was a father. He, he was worrying about finances. And all of a sudden, something in him was like, you know what, God? He just chose. He, did, he hadn't heard a sermon, but he told me he just chose. I'm just going to start thanking God. Even though I'm like, this is literally causing me physical turmoil, I'm going to start thanking God. And so he's told me as he began to thank God, like, and change his mind, jobs just began to came, come in for him. And it's like as soon as he was finishing one job, the next one came in. And when he's finishing the next one, the next one would come in. And what I don't want to do here is to minimize that maybe some of you are going through hard things. Maybe some of you are, are experiencing marital issues or experiencing family issues or you're experiencing sickness in your body. What I don't want to do is to minimize that. But what I want to say is we are called to be a thankful people. And in fact, in, fact, in Romans, we're called to even rejoice in sufferings. But his promise is those who rejoice in sufferings will not be put to shame. That you won't be put to shame as Cal began to rejoice and the promises of God came and overflowed his life and God began to change his story and his narrative because God works all things for the good of those who love him. So I want to challenge us this morning that we are called to be a thankful people, that we're called not to look at what we don't have, but what we've been given, that we're called not to look and compare and look at what somebody else has above us or further along or however you perceive life, but we're called to put on the godly lenses and say, wow, It's sunny today. Thanks, Jesus. (laughs) Wow, my kids are cute. Thanks, God. I mean, geez, I could thank the Lord when I look at Zoe, how cute she is on the front row right now. (sighs) I was reading this book called Ruthless Trust by Brennan Manning, and he says this. There's this little excerpt I want to read to you. He says this. To be grateful for the unanswered prayer, to be grateful even in a state of internal turmoil, 
To trust in the love of God in the face of tragedy, cruel circumstances, is to sing a song of love in the darkness. And that is a powerful thing to do. We are called to sing that song of love in the darkness. It's inside of you. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, that spirit that gives gratitude and thanksgiving is inside of you right now in this very moment. And we're called to come and to be a people of praise, of thanksgiving, to enter his courts with praise and thanksgiving. What's on your mind? 6,000 thoughts. Are they grateful thoughts? Are they thankful thoughts? I want to say, lastly, um, just a quick word. One of the things that can hold us in a prison of bondage is so often it's so simple, but it's the gospel and it's forgiveness. And sometimes we can't see past ourselves. We can't see past our circumstances because we've actually been living in a prison of unforgiveness. And we've been, we've been choosing the way of bitterness and to not let go and to not forgive and to not release to God those who've hurt us. One of our youth leaders really very recently, a couple months ago, he came to me and he said, hey, Aaron, can you come pray with me? And I was like, sure, we can pray. So we went into the chapel here, the room over here on a Wednesday night after youth. And I said, what's going on? And he shared with me a story of something very tragic that happened to one of his friends. And he was, from, from the moment he found out about what happened, this rage entered his heart. Rage for the person who'd done the wrong to his friend. Rage that he just couldn't be there and, and save his friend. And for the last three or four months, he'd been experiencing terrible, violent nightmares where he was like literally waking up in sweat, in rage, in violence. And I was like, all right, let's, let's take it back to the basics. And this is something we come to, honestly, at Camp Ignited so much. We lead our students through powerful prayers of forgiveness. But I'm there in the room and I said, let's just forgive that person who did that wrong. And why don't we just release and forgive ourselves, forgive yourself that you couldn't be there in that moment and that that so upset you. And he told me later, he said, as we were praying, it was just like the rage inside of him was just melting away. And from that moment on, he, has, he hasn't had a single nightmare. But so often we choose the way of unforgiveness because sometimes it feels good to feel right or to feel justified somehow. But I want to encourage you this morning that forgiveness isn't saying what a person did is all right. It's saying, Jesus, it's your job to judge, not mine. And so I'm going to remove myself from the equation and allow you to be the great and all-powerful judge. Because all men, all of us will be judged one day. And so saying, Jesus, I know that what they did was wrong, but I forgive them and I release them into your wonderful care. And there's something so powerful that just takes us out of any sort of prison we've placed ourselves in. And we're able, once again, to not look just to ourselves, to our own two feet, but to look to the horizon and to see all that God's done. So this is my charge. This is my challenge to us.
is to more carefully consider what's on our mind and to be a people of thanksgiving, of gratefulness. What's in your mind? When somebody asks you what's on your mind, are you going to say, I'm just grateful? They might think you're a little weird, but then maybe you could tell them about Jesus and why you're grateful. (laughs) When somebody says that question, what's on your mind? Man, I'm just thankful for this and this and this. And you start going off and they're like, you are an obnoxiously grateful Christian. Like, please. My prayer for us in in the first service is that we would be obnoxious thankers. Obnoxiously grateful to the Lord. I'd rather be that than a grumpy Christian. (laughs) Let's just stand. I'd hate to leave today before we close without just giving an opportunity to come to the Lord with thankful hearts, with grateful hearts. Why don't you just take a moment wherever you are and just say, Jesus, would you help me be grateful this morning? Come on, just say that to him. Jesus, would you help me be grateful this morning? Jesus, would you help me wear your set of lenses, not my own? Come on, say that prayer. Jesus, would you help me wear your lenses, not my own? God, would you help me measure my life the way you measure my life? Not the way man measures life, not the way the flesh measures life, but would you help me to see my life through your lenses, Jesus? Wow. Would you help us to see our lives the way you see them? And now just take a moment and say, Jesus, I'm so thankful. And just let's put into practice, let's tell the Lord what we're grateful for, what we're thankful for in this moment as we shift our perspective, as we look not up to what we don't have, but down to what we do have, what we have been given. What, what do you have to be thankful for in this place this morning? Jesus. Jesus, I ask that this church would be radical, grateful people. God, I ask that you would cast off all negativity, all ways that the enemy has been winning the war over our thought life. And God, I ask that you would give us the keys and the sword of thankful hearts. God, that we would wear that weapon with pride. And God, we thank you for everything you've done, for how you've carried us. I mean, our line, the fact that we're even here and have survived wars and plagues and just so many tragedies and the fact that we're standing here is a miracle and we just want to say thank you for our bodies. Thank you for (laughs) you. And this song that some of our team has been writing was just going through my head this morning and it's these lyrics in this bridge. It's like, you're in the sunrise. You're in the wind and the waves. 
You're in the eyes of the broken. You're in the lost and the saved. Jesus, you are in all things. You are through all things. You are for all things. You're the maker of good. You're the maker of ways where there are no ways. You provide streams in the deserts. Father, I just ask that we would be a people that come to you, that, not, that don't forget what you've done for us, but that remember all your benefits. God, I ask this morning that we would remember all you've done. We will remember how you've carried us. And we would just, our only response could be, we worship you, we praise you, we thank you, Jesus. You're so good. Now just take a moment, put your hand on somebody beside you. And I just want us to pray that the person to our right and our left would be a thankful person. Come on, just pray for them how you would want to be prayed for and just pray lovingly that they would be an obnoxious thanker, that they would receive the spirit of gratitude, of sonship. Let us be thankful. Let us be thankful. Thank you. And this morning before we close, I'm conscious that there may be some in here that maybe you're like, listen, I'm just struggling with this, Aaron. I need help out of this prison of unforgiveness. Maybe it's unforgiveness you're, you're struggling with or being in some sort of prison of bitterness. And if you need prayer this morning, we have a ministry team here that I'd love to ask to come forward that would love to pray with you, that would love to help you. Sometimes it's just so helpful having somebody help lead you through prayers of forgiveness if you're struggling to do it on your own. But I just wanna love you guys. I love you guys. Thank you so much. And let's be a grateful people this week. Amen. Awesome. Thank you. Over to you, Jonathan. Amen. Thank you, Aaron.